listening to episode number four of the second season of um, Three Belly Buttons podcast. My name is Sing Jo, uh, I'm the host, uh, and I am an artist living in Melbourne. Um, I would like to pay respect to the elders, um, both past, present, and emerging of Kulin Nation, and extend that to respect to other Indigenous Australians present. In each episode, I invite two guests from diverse culture and professional background to talk about their recent experience in dance. Uh, this episode is different from previous ones. In this episode, I spoke with two speakers separately at two different locations. Then I added the <laughs> two conversation together. Um, I hope you like this unusual setting. In this episode, you will hear my conversation with Simon Cooper, then Malisha Andrew. I'm outside with my guest speakers. Uh, we are at our Mott House Cafes. Um, we actually visited uh, a couple of shows this morning together and we thought maybe we just, you know, um, talk about our fresher thoughts. Um, and so the environments can be, um, it's outdoors, so just mind um, the noises and, you know, interruptions. Um, so, yes, um, the guest speakers um, is my friend Simon Cooper. And um, welcome, Hi. Simon. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Would you like to introduce yourself to to listeners? Uh, sure. Um, I, my name's Simon Cooper. I'm uh, originally from Adelaide, but now based in Sydney, uh, temporarily living in Melbourne. Um, I work uh, online for a university. Um, I'm also an artist with a sort of an on-again, off-again practice. Well, I think that's quite common practice for lots of artists, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, um, welcome. Uh, welcome to Melbourne. Um, so, yes, and we, this morning, um, we stopped at um, NGV, Ian Porter Museum first, and we saw um, Polly Boland um, show called um, Polyverse. Um which is open till 3rd February next year. And then um, we walked down along St Kilda Road um, and to Lauren, Margaret and Lawrence Gallery and saw uh, their show just opened last night. Um, it's called Between and Among Objects. Um, it's by artist called Consuelo Cavernigalia. <laughs> your mm, that's not bad, not so bad. Um, yeah, so um, what do you think about the two shows? <laughs> yeah, so um, firstly I'd start off saying I, I do go and see a lot of shows and um, I probably like maybe 10% of the shows that yes. I see. So which is why I see a lot of them. <laughs> Always looking for that one I like. Yeah. And um, I like the Polly Borland show. I, I, I really enjoyed that. The um, Consuelo Caverniglia. Yeah, um, much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
was was okay. I, I didn't hate it, but it, it didn't really interest me that much. It was mm. okay. There was some some there was some nice pieces, but it was sort of like oh you know mm. I don't I don't think my life would have been any the poorer if I, had, <laughs> if I hadn't seen it. Yeah, 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 okay. But, I, but my life feels enriched by seeing the Polly Borland show. I, I yeah, like well, it. talk yeah. about why. Um, what changed? Yeah, I, I look, I think uh, that was just my response. Mm. Uh, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it. Mm. And when I start, um, you know, thinking about it, it's uh, like I liked it, enjoyed it, despite a lot of my aesthetic and conceptual prejudices that I that's that good I reason have, yeah yeah you know yeah. and which is which is interesting because uh, she she works in a style a genre that I'm not that fond of which is sort of um, photographic portraiture uh, uh, looking at identity and very sort of slick um, magazine you know um, portrait photography mm. thought and and Usually that kind of style, I'm a bit like, oh yeah, you know, oh hum, I, I can't really distinguish that much between uh, the fine art version and the, the Vogue magazine version. Mm. But hers was just sort of um, tweaked enough to be of interest, at, but also like not so far away from that that I just thought it was, you know... Mm. ridiculous it just, it, just, it just struck a really nice balance for me and I really enjoyed it yeah I agree I think um, she definitely have that that sort of aesthetics from you often see in the commercial fashion um, yeah. photography and she actually carry this and twisted it into this subject um, that she creates and so it's kind of you can see it's a beautiful yeah. images at the same time it's kind of it's a bit off normal <laughs> yeah 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 so enough to be enough to be interesting but yeah um, but not off putting on on either end of those scales there's you know purely commercially commercial and the just yeah. kind of weird ass for the sake of it yeah it's just a really nice balance i think of the show i might just talk about the 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 displayment of the exhibition so basically it's um a sort of survey show um from her uh early 2000 um the work she'd done in early 2000 till 2018 this year um so um it's kind of uh the work displayed in a uh, chronological order um, and the first room you entered is the earliest work and then um, progress through the time and um, the last room you go to see is the 2018 new work um, so you do get a sense of um, uh, the trajectory of her career development and and how her images change through the time and maybe places she lived in um, yeah, like um, I, I think I told you um, my favorite still in her, t- the photos in she did in early two thousand. Um, I do like her latest two thousand eighteen work. Uh, I think it's called a monster. Oh, I forgot the title of the series. Morph. But morph. Morph. Yes, yeah. morph. Um, but I uh, compel those two. I think, yeah, like are somehow yeah, yeah. joined to the early work. Um, and um, interesting because I like the I think I like the middle 
part. Middle part. Yeah, 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 I don't mind it middle part. I have to say I do like in the middle part. Um, she has this um, a tapestry um, mm. series of work, and which is uh, directly um, developed uh, extension of her uh, work of photo images she made around that. You know, in early you know 2012 and you know 14. Um, and yeah, and can you talk about the tapestry work? Yeah, the, you the, like the, that work yeah, too? The, the, yeah, the, the that sort of middle section, which yeah. was um, there was photographic pieces and also the tapestry pieces, and they were um, sort of in a same series. And I, I I liked that work. That was probably my favorite. I liked the whole show, but those ones were probably my favorite. I um, I particularly liked the tapestries. It's interesting because I don't. If I thought if I could have any work from this exhibition, I'd, I'd choose one of the photos. Mm. But um, I think conceptually, I liked the tapestries the most because they brought this sort of extra conceptual level to mm. the to the work. Mm. Um, the photographic works were kind of. Um, identity portraits using costume and I mean that's that's kind of enough mm. but the um, tapestry pieces also brought this materiality mm. to the whole relationship between mm. digital and anal analog mm. um, photography and mm. um, woven works that was really nice and I also like the fact that um, the weavers that she worked with um, were uh, sort of a group working out of prison mm. and that that came from um, commissioning people to do a, a, a turn a photograph that she'd taken of the Queen of England into a tapestry so she um, commissioned people who were working in prisons that were run by um, Her Majesty's there was yeah. a, there was a lovely, a great story. lovely, lovely yeah. irony and, that, and, is, and that, yeah. that sort of background and that narrative <coughs> I think made those tapestries much richer works mm. than, than the others mm. so yeah I, I like really that. like yeah I really like it especially when they show the tapestry work at a, in the same room um, where the photographs all you know uh, create a similar time on the wall of that room yeah. so you can see there's two sort of different analog process talking talk to each other like mm. the if you you know taking photos like you mirror this things in your actual space and it's kind of like a direct sort of mirror create this mirroring things using the technology using mm. it and then and then the uh, the tapestry is sort of like you can see is a manually mirroring it like you use a wall and like stitch and step by step and through mirroring these images and through this create another images. It's like I feel like it's a true kind of copy process. Yeah. Um, and then then it's a nice dialogue between. Yeah, and you can see the information um, drift off from each process. You know, when she taken photos and that you know you can see she. Um, sort of filtered using art you know filters through certain things and only present these images in front of you like it's um and then when these images 
um, down through the tapestry and you can see lots of it's it's lots of details lost and they add new details and just you know there's kind of information um, lost and gang you can see this true process yeah, 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 yeah that's a really nice way of putting it yeah it's a really beautiful like a conceptually rich yeah, yeah. sort of experiencing that room yeah. Um, but just going going back to the um, earlier works that you mm, said were your um, favourite. Mm, the Bunning series. The, the Bunning yeah. series. That, I mean, we were talking about that before, about, um, uh, you know, that sort of difference of um, kind of more intimate uh, portraits with someone you know in your own apartment and doing, you know, big art projects in a studio, very professional, yeah. that quite different um, feel to them you know similar subject and trying to do similar yeah. things but a different kind of level of intimacy yeah. and you, you said that you like that yeah I do thought. like that and um, it's somehow I can relate to I mm. think maybe studio is a too commercial it's too you know you need a certain material condition to achieve is okay it's not really close to my life at the moment so I can't really relate to that kind of environment and images and like so for those early work you know I, I feel like it's so familiar to me and sort of um, it's humorous you know I can get it lots of content um, from that image and also that sort of um, you know, rendered that everyday environment into something beautiful, you know, and and also the she used for that series she used older technology of photo making and particularly print um tech you know, like I yeah, like I just think that's like a technologically um uh, you know, nostalgical sort of like yeah, yeah. um Rating um, yeah. for me, I'm really drawing to that yeah, and smaller too. I think because they're, yes. they're printed much smaller than those yeah. later, later works. It's that's a much more intimate experience yeah. to go up to a smaller thing. Also, uh, like uh, recognizably of a person. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's is recognizably it a person. That's the, right. Yeah, the later ones have become so abstracted that you can't. Really, yeah, really, really tell that it's. Uh, you can see certain can little see, body parts, uh, but most of them is very, I guess, yeah, into yeah, yeah a blob, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then that color. I think in later work you can see she play with color and shape, but the the, I guess less humane, like less human. Mm. I don't know content in there. So to me, there's 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 this sort of. Uh, move towards an abstraction of the body it starts, mm. so it starts off being very much about um, the body and the identity of the body a bit of um, you know there's a hint of sexuality there but yeah uh, you know it's a bit unclear what, what I, that is or what, what yeah. she's trying to say or do with yeah. that and then it, it you know it sort of moves till you get to the the, the 2018 works and it's Oh, it's a bit more abstracted, maybe a little bit more abject. Mm, yeah. A bit more abject, abstracted body. And it's, you know, it's, you can see that trajectory, but it's um, arrived somewhere quite yeah. quite aesthetically different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I feel like at that latest work, and I read into this kind of 
aesthetics in LA, like a particularly geographic sort of influence um, because that kind of pop bright high contrast color scheme often I see in this kind of culture in LA that the yeah, fashions yeah. and pop cultures and so maybe I don't know that's just yeah. my assumption I, I have a little bit of a you know cynical read on that too <laughs> which, is, which is that you know those early works that, that series I mean it's um harder for a collector to like buy a work like that because if you <laughs> if you buy a work like that and put it on the wall it looks like an you know kind of an intimate yeah portrait of someone that you might know or yeah you know it's like someone would go why can you be know, who's 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 that picture of that yeah sexy girl in stockings on your yeah on your wall whereas yeah. the later works are abstract more abstract, abstract yeah, and you images. know you, abstract shapes images that uh, are a little a little bit less personal yeah yeah so it's you know easier for people to sort of and they're you know big 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 and glossy yeah. they're, they're obviously aimed at um, you know a different for, kind of market yeah yeah definitely I can see that reading too um, and well should we talk also talk about um, the show oh, yes. the um, in Margaret and Lawrence? Um, yeah. I know it's kind of kind of less sort of uh, inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the right yeah, words yeah, yeah, um, than, than you know than the other show, mm-hmm. Polly show, um, and um, um, maybe we can yeah like for the listener if you haven't seen the show so basically it's quite well we talk about abstracting late um police practice i mean this is completely you know abstract and yeah. shapes and Minim- very minimalist, minimalist yeah. sort of style work um i guess they have um a paint um cup of paint on the wall and then uh Three or four um, big um, perspex floor pieces, yeah, um, sort of like a screen sort of thing, Um, and then uh, there's a huge um, um, pine wood sculpture Mm. at the back, and then copper print go with it. So it's a very yeah, but it's a smaller gallery anyway. Smaller gallery, but but much more of a minimal hang in that space. If you think of the Polly Borland show, it's like quite packed with work yeah and you know that that kind of worked yeah mostly um but this one was uh, i mean like that uh the uh, sculptural piece that came down off the wall on the floor i mean that pretty much that was that entire gallery Mm. was that one work and then the other gallery the um three screens sort of took up the floor space and there was couple of works and all these very very minimal kind of um, installation mm. and, and it's that, about shapes light yeah, um, yeah. and uh, understandably I think I think that was a good choice for that kind of work because it's yeah. all about that sort of space and ex- moving around in the space mm. well talking about like I think uh, compelled just talk about those two shows I mean for Paulie's show um I think in the comments I would say is about curatorial choices. I think in Polish show, I think, um, you know, for particularly, I think for the reason of what this show is about. So 
there's so many works on the wall, as you said, yeah, yeah. and uh, I just sometimes I feel like it's too much, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the the uh, the last room uh, we're showing her latest moth series. It just too many like it's somehow just feel like overwhelmed by similar color, like similar styles and similar shapes and you feel like dispower the work a bit um and i guess that's my critical you know criticize on the show and um for um Not Margaret, the work but the uh, yeah but just the, hang. the, tro- the hanging yeah. yeah maybe it could be less would yeah, we yeah. make I, that I work a bit more powerful um, and for the Margaret Lawrence um, Kinsella's shows, um, I like the, you know, it's really pleasant. It's a really, again, it's nostalgic <laughs> experience for me. Somehow, I feel like I'm walking to this 60s, 70s, that kind of art show, minimalist, yeah, yeah. and then the, the similar conversations and um, provoked in the shows. And um, it's just, you know, everything is nicely done. It's just... If you're OCDs, they see your heavens. I think <laughs> everything's precisely done. Yeah, hard edge yeah, and hard yeah. Edge um, but I think the print for me is somehow is re- not. It can be there, cannot be there. I don't know. Wasn't adding to the conceptual. Mm, I don't know. Sort of um, conversation. But definitely, I think that I, I think in that show, print is only um, objects and has a rich colors in that yeah, room yeah, yeah. maybe for that reason need of two print but i just feel like it doesn't add i think of the um the whole show is really about the sculpture shapes and yeah yeah i i agree but i i took the those prints as like a little um they're almost like your uh, artist notebook things where you go oh okay this is kind of your uh, your perspective you know your approach this is sketches your, your yeah. style your sketches of that kind of hard edge mm. um, very, very sort of tra- almost tradition what you'd call traditional mm. sort of modernist hard edge abstraction mm. and that's kind of like a clue to the sculptural works mm. um I, I liked the the screens they were like see-through perspex mm. um a, just a, about average person height of an average person let's yeah. say and uh, arranged three in the three of them arranged in the room and as you walked and moved around them there was very subtle reflections like through and between them they kind of reflected each other mm. and you got double reflections and light mm. from outside the gallery so it, I, I think as a you know an intervention in space and being about space and light and moving around in that space they worked quite elegantly um it's as, yeah. as i said before it's just like you know nothing that i found really new or that mm. interesting or exciting for me it was mm. quite quite beautiful yeah you know yeah well it worked i think it did what it was yeah. designed to do but uh, i just went oh yeah Maybe it's true of a you know, yeah, true of <laughs> cappuccino. You know, <laughs> that's what it's supposed to do. I'm not really that excited about. It. But you know, maybe some some future it will, you know, you are thinking about this moment and it will reoccur. Maybe who knows? That's yeah, right. yeah. Actually, I think it's a reoccurring moment of the 90s. 90s, 90s already. Yeah. <laughs> 
think that, just, <laughs> that is the recurring moment. Um, all right, I think uh, it's a quick one because we only have Simon at the moment. Um, so um, thanks very much for sharing, My pleasure. Simon. Um, bye. Um, hello, Malaysia. Hello, thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming. Um, so would you like to um, introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. I am a writer and a performer. I work with mysticism, eroticism, religion and music. I have performed at the Melbourne Writers' Festival, Queensland Poetry Festival, Emerging Writers' Festival and a number of galleries and community gatherings across the Tasman. Most recently as part of the Utopian Tongues exhibition at 7th Gallery curated by Jake Tracy where I was lucky enough to showcase my work alongside amazing artists like yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was in there too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great show. It's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, what, do you, what, uh, what, what did you experience this recently? <laughs> uh, what did you see recently in art? So last week I went to a show that was held at a little house in Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show was called Freya's Revenge. There were flowers in the garden, there was a ginger cat, and inside there were lots of beautiful people drinking red wine out of mugs. And in the <laughs> living room there were performances by... Andy Butler, Eloise Grills, Mark Pearson, Cara Verklempt, Heather Joan Day, Zara Butcher McGonagall, and Freya Daly Sadgrove. Wow. So when you say performances, um, what kind of performance? Um... Um, mostly storytelling and poetry. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah I, I it was a private it was definitely a private residence um i got invited by a couple of people that were performing and attending the event so mm. i'm not sure how open it was to the public perhaps it was just a word of mouth thing mm. yeah yeah but it was wow. a, a good crowd there it was really nice yeah talk about your experience there like so sure uh, well what i found like the performers drew you into their worlds, into their childhoods, their breakups, their complicated family relationships, um, career failures, and what I thought was really interesting was that um, all these stories sort of stemmed from the home and then they were performed in the home, and Mm. yeah, I feel like a a lot of us as, as artists seek to make the private public. And it was just really a really interesting dynamic to see these readings being held like in, mm. in a domestic space as opposed to a very public space. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the theme was about revenge? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> what the revenge is about. Yeah, yeah. It might be some kind of in joke that I'm not quite in on. I'm not okay. sure. <laughs> Was, was the... I'm not, I don't think there was a theme, but okay. I just did notice that um, a, a lot of uh, there were a lot of like stories that that seemed to have sprung from domestic sort of situations. Mm. Like one of the readers, Zara, um, spoke about a cupboard that their sister found on the side of the road and tried to give them, um, but the 
uh, the performer didn't want the cupboard. And then it was, I felt like that performance drew on like the haunting aspects of a home, which is filled with objects and memories and nostalgia, Mm. but not necessarily um, things that you want, but things that you keep Mm. because of some sort of obligation. Also, I yeah, that's really interesting setting in Domaster House, but it's strangers. Like, oh, it's not your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's in other people's yeah, house. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that, that kind of um, you probably get that kind of um, reaction of a visitor into mm. someone's house, and you're trying to, I guess. Yeah, that, that kind of how you position yourself in that particular space, I guess. Yeah. and if is, felt, is, Was there a, a, a set area, those performance? Yeah, it was stood? in the what I assumed was the living room and there was a little microphone set up. Um, the audience members sat on the floor. Some of us were standing up in the kitchen, just sort of huddled together as well. And I thought it was really cool. Like sometimes I feel like public gallery spaces and venues can feel so sterile, mm. particularly with like the white walls that are well, intentionally so devoid of mm. um, of meaning. Mm. And then it's great in the house where there are so many little trinkets and objects. Mm. And yeah, like you were saying, like being a visitor, it's like these are other people's um, lives, other people's memories, and other people's ghosts. Like I always wonder if houses are, are haunted or not, or you know, yeah. who who lives here now, who lived here before, yeah. and those things are really are as interesting to me whenever I go to a show at a house, like as the works that are yeah. being showcased. What yeah. kind of type of house? <laughs> Can you describe the house a bit? Like a bit ugly. Um, it was just a. Uh, house <laughs> it's, it's a brick house <laughs> i can't remember it was dark <laughs> okay. yep. um, i'm sorry no, that's but okay. it was it was really cute it was really cute and you just got that true sort of lived in diy byo experience I yeah think. what kind yeah. of floor the like ha- this one actually. the wooden floor yeah. mm. <laughs> um do you have any favorite moment? I do. Uh, my favorite moment was Andy Butler read a piece that he wrote for a Melbourne Writers Festival event called Eulogy for My Career. <laughs> and it was about his departure from working at a relatively high profile arts organization. It was a beautiful piece that wove together a complicated family relationship, um, racism in his youth in Perth, um, present day tokenism in the arts, Mm. and also his fascinating early career as a ballroom dancer. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard about (laughs) that, actually. Um, I do know Andy. Um. It's a really personal story, and the way that he told it is really captivating. Um, It's also warming to see Andy perform in such a casual, informal setting as well, like in the warmth mm. of a kind stranger's living room. Mm. Um, I've performed with Andy like quite a bit over the past mm. year, but always in 
sort of structured formal settings Mm. um and it's also great to see the evolution of his work and he's getting into more of a personal direction now as well Mm. and yeah it was it was just really lovely so when he performed did he read through the script or he recited um did he go with bit of what's his what was his body language like very confident very confident mm. lots of like hair flicks oh very, yeah <laughs> very yeah. endearing everyone was captivated so how long was his piece uh, going under 10 minutes so oh well, quick yeah oh yeah, wow it was very quick there's lots of information sort of impact i imagine mm. in that 10 minutes Mm-mm. wow and it was any break like it was a break before uh, between uh, performers or just kind of organic flow it was sort of. an organic flow yeah. yeah was sort of interaction between the audience and the performers or more like um, a stage it was more um yeah people would be the artists would be just reading their set mm. pieces um and then there's definitely everyone got to mingle afterwards and beforehand as well. I guess, you know, Andy's eulogy speech mm. would be so perfect in the house mm. setting because you imagine, you know, week of someone, someone's funeral, you know, like, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> you know, all um, wedding speeches, yeah. you know, those kind of parties and um, a family gathering and family member does a speech to yeah. all the guests and kind of just imagine maybe that's reflect to that kind yeah. of um you're totally right like those are like performative gestures that we do normally do in a mm. home but we don't normally do the creative storytelling mm. yeah so that's quite a long night wasn't it seven yeah it wasn't everything was over by I would say 9.30. Oh, wow. Even earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what what do you think about this kind of, you know, domestic, domestic setting, like now kind of, what what do you think, you know, do you think those venue going to be um, encouraged or um, more events going to set up in this kind of um, non-conventional venues or... Yeah, I think there's a lot of appeal for the do-it-yourself kind of pop-up venues mm. because because you can bring your own drinks and I feel like as an audience member, you just feel more comfortable mm. um, being in someone's home and having more of a house party vibe and still um, absorbing art and being culturally mm. sort of enthused. Mm. Um, and also for the artists, I found... Like, so many artists will do a show for a high-profile space or a well-known organization for for free or for very little money and will walk away with a sort of bitter taste in their mouths. And Mm. when these shows at homes happen, everyone is so happy Mm. to do it for nothing Mm. because it's, it's such a great gesture of community and you're doing it for the love of it and you know you're not getting ripped off by anybody um yeah, there are, yeah so was the um the owner of the house or who living that house mm-hmm. organized event i believe so i don't personally mm. know the owner of the house right right 
was Freya. <laughs> was um, no, Freya? actually, Freya, <laughs> the headliner, said that they were from Wellington, New Zealand. Oh, so hopefully, wow, visiting, yeah, right. Oh, imagine that. That's even better story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just imagine like you know, if you rent an Airbnb place <laughs> in different cities and have this art event setting up the yeah. house, why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Um, why that's not? even better. Um, yeah, it's definitely and... something that I'm looking into as well. I live with fellow artists, um, Sean Miles, Lucy McIntosh, and Suki Florence. We've got a giant front room that is, mm. for some reason, invisible to us. Like, it's the biggest room in the house, mm. and we never use it. Mm. And it's perfect for having shows. Mm. Yeah. Actually, now that's remind me... This a show I went to was um a couple of years ago and uh, was curated by two art visual artists Sarah uh, Rutledge and um oh forgive <laughs> I have to look up um and they just rent out a house domestic house it's a flat um mm-hmm. upstairs of this pizza place on uh, North Fitzroy. And um, so basically it was uh, a one-off occasion that the, 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 the property, the flat um, was just in between tenants. So they had this kind of um, a break period. Um, so they decided to turn that house, like um, it, it was a house, um, although it was upstairs of this pizza, um, pizza shop. Yeah. Um, that domestic space into a gallery a space and they um, installed uh, numerous um, um, artworks in the this li- what it was emptied like empty living room and um, I imagine you know it's a different domestic experience I guess because um, it, you have to you had I remember to access that that place you have to go through pizza place and uh-huh. um, so you do feel like I do feel like I'm going to some sort of business and go so yeah. not completely um, like a, a, a have a that experience of going to someone's house and mm-hmm. you know that because you, you do have to go through the entrance of this shop but uh, but but once you you know and entered the front door um, it was someone's house yeah. and then you you just saw it's I feel like a really well I guess that's a bit different from performative pieces because um the artworks are objects and videos and images mm-hmm. just kind of placed in this empty rooms and then the rooms still have remnants of you know domestic trace that carpet and some wallpapers and um bit of left carpet left in the rooms and you know and toilet so but then you feel like the artworks are a little bit displaced yeah uh, in that environment and um, either that's kind of um, contrasted to the space or reflect to some sort of memory of the house and yeah it is it is very unusual um, settings and really refreshing experience and mm-hmm. see those works and um um, in that kind of place, different from the white boxes, it's definitely not white boxes. It's kind yeah. of messy sometimes, yeah. and um, and you know have 
you know, history of the house. Um, although, yeah, like it's probably more about history of the house than the presence because this, there was no one living there, no furnitures yeah. and... I guess it's it is like really rare occasion you get that yeah, opportunity. Yeah, it's really special. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was part of a show at um at a house in Carlton on Ligon Street a couple of years ago as well. It was curated by Tom Ames, and mm. um, someone had just moved out of one of the rooms, and mm. so while they were waiting for the new person to move in, decided to have a little exhibition in the mm. room while it was empty. And I did an audio installation for that, and it was a really, really fun vibe. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I guess that's kind of like um, this events, and you can um, relate to the recent um, conversation arts about uh, decolonized, you know, um, break the decolonize the gallery space and break mm. the institution structure in the gallery showing i think this is great example um um oh, i just got the artist name it's um uh, travis jones okay. um and um sarah um Radledge. Cool. so two of them organized that show um yeah so hopefully we will see more more creative <laughs> yeah. spaces and um this kind of informal slash formal art um shows and works um do you think that those kind of setting um has its limit um you know um only few people can small group people can view the work and not for everybody like it's kind of uh it's someone's private house and you know um the capacity of the crowd and one-off and time limits and so it has really limited access um, for public so do you think that what do you think of that like yeah you're totally right it is limited in that sense and it is because they are in someone's home mm. um, word about that event would only circulate in the surrounding communities mm. so no it's not open to everyone but yeah I guess guess you gotta start somewhere <laughs> yeah um what i found is really like at um another house in thornbury that i performed at they had a few artists who they'd invited to be a part of that event but they were overseas so they made videos and got to be mm. in thornbury mm. at the same time as us so i thought that was a great way to work around um, making it more accessible, we could have yeah. If there's more live streaming and more documentation of these things, and yeah. people all over could still yeah. experience it in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you're right. Um, now with this technology, social media, we can yeah. use in positive <laughs> ways, and you know we totally can um, enlarge that access through social media. Yeah. yeah it's, there was possibilities. There is possibility. So, um, great. I think we have an answer. <laughs> um, do you have any other things you'd like to share about this experience? I just was like, I just love that homes can also function as galleries and performance mm. spaces. I think mm. for anyone that does open up their home to strangers is doing a wonderful thing you're creating such an intimate immersive experience 
for audience members. It's such a beautiful thing to do for the community. It's such a great thing for art and for sharing, mm. um, art making and storytelling and mm. the whole thing. And I just hope I hope there's more more of it. Yeah, um, yeah, great. It's kind of challenging. It's promote uh, a particularly lifestyle, isn't it? Like just kind of open uh this private space to public um mm-hmm. and so inclusive in a way um um maybe the community can be that way we don't have to live in that insulate little mm-hmm. uh, little ge- geckos and you know yeah. we, we we can open up you know and we can connect um to different peoples and public and private you know but we don't have to be so protective to this kind of private exactly. yeah, space. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that kind of, you know, um, lifestyle and, mm. you know, it's more friendly and safe in the way. Um, yeah, because you, you're trusting yeah. everyone that you're letting in. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of promote how we can relate to each other and yeah. not, you know, in, in, in more connected a way. Um Great. So I guess <laughs> sorry, I'm always funny how I talk the most. Um, but um, but it was yeah. Every time um, people um, just raise up such a beautiful um, topics, and I can't help myself <laughs> not to talk and respond. Um, and um, before we finish, um, do you have any future gigs, um, or uh, would would you like to plug in any of your uh, future projects and... yeah uh, the next thing I've got coming up is a performance in Hanoi that's organized by Ajar Press I'll be performing alongside a poet named James Sherry from New York and a writer named Oliver Mole from Sydney oh lovely okay that's it um thanks very much thank you <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you oh me too thanks for sharing this special event for you were too here you go i hope you have enjoyed listening the two stitched conversations and your brain is very much activated by the things said in this episode I do hope this podcast opens a fun and critical space that allows dynamic voices placed in the art world and to encourage a large engagement with the art and to increase general understanding towards contemporary art. Okay, be with you.